Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and thank you for joining me today with my best, with my guest, I can speak, with my guest, Peggy Lanham. She is the owner of Better Working Together, LLC, and she's also the author of a fascinating book. The name of her book is Navigating Uncertainty, an A to Z Guide to Well-Being. Welcome to the show, Peggy. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, we're going to have a great conversation. We've already established a report before we've gone on the air together, and I so admire you and the things that, that you have accomplished and what you are doing. And I thought we could start off by having you just, I know a little bit about you, but I thought we could start off by you telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you. Well, I am a researcher, a writer, an organizational effectiveness consultant, and an executive coach. Uh, So I wear many hats. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a wide background in HR, a master's degree in organizational psychology, and I'm a certified coach with the International Coaching Federation. So, yeah, I do a lot of different things, and I love my job. Isn't that great? And, you know, people don't realize we'll just use your business as an example of just what coaches can offer like some what are some of the things that you what that your business actually offers well i um do you know just on friday i gave a presentation to a group of physicians on well-being at work different tips and tricks that they could use to increase the well-being of both themselves and their team so i do speaking engagements um and i also do workshops as well as uh, coaching. Um, I'm working with a client right now in retail, and they're thinking about buying another small business, but there's some really deep issues that need to be unpacked regarding how the cultures in these two different um, organizations are going to really jive. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's sort of where our coaching calls have been going. So, yeah, I love it. Um, It's kind of a wide variety, and it keeps me on my toes. Oh, I like that. But isn't that exciting? It is exciting, yeah, isn't it? It really is. It really is. Yeah, but you know. What? Well, I was just going to say we spend um, one half to one third of our lives at work. So when we can kind of move the needle and make those hours as rich and meaningful as possible, um, and if I can be a part of that, I really feel like I've done my job. That's that's terrific, and a lot of people need that assistance and balance. And balance is such a key word today, as is the word well-being. And you've written this great book. I love, I love the title of it, Navigating, just the term Navigating, Uncertainty. Oh, my gosh. All right. An A to Z Guide for Well-Being. This, just the title alone personally sucks me in. 
And what I'd like to know is why did you decide to write this book? Well, I was, there's two things that happened at the same time. Um, the first was I was talking to my clients, and I kept hearing this over and over again, we are not okay. And, you know, I'd go from that call to this meeting, and I'd, I'd hear the same thing at the end of it, you know, we are not okay. And it was whether they were talking about a family situation or something in their business, they just knew that they were really, things were not okay. Um, and at the same time, I was taking a class um, from a wonderful neuroscientist, Dr. Irene O'Brien, on neuroscience for coaching. And there's these wonderful tips and tricks to really help our brains thrive. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to kind of bring all these ideas from the ivory tower down to the ground floor to make them accessible as possible so anyone with any background can just open up a resource and just have something there that they can really unpack and help make their lives a little bit better. I like that. And it's interesting that you use the word neuroscience. Do you want to tell me a little bit more about how that plays into this? Yeah, so neuroscience is a study of how our brains work. And one thing I learned right away is if you use the term neuroplasticity, you will lose your audience. People's eyes just glaze over. It's like just, <laughs> you know, too much. <laughs> so if you, bring the, if you bring the concepts and you, you know, make an outline of how you can use these great things to help you feel better and how, to, you know, how your brain works on a really basic level, um, then people are like all ears. So I kind of did the unpacking and kind of brought it down out of the ivory tower into just, you know, everyday language. You know what? Because what you do is now you have become very inclusive. Now you aren't just uh, uh, appealing to one person, but maybe many, many more. Because, and I, well, I'm using numbers very small because obviously you appeal to tons of people. But I, I, I respect that because sometimes just by the choice of words, we can really um, have people just, oh, it's like whatever. And, and they're, they're, they, you've lost their interest altogether. So I, I appreciate that. What I think is so interesting is that you have, you know, A to Z. 26 letters in the alphabet. Does does your book, and I'm a very literal person, so let me be clear about that right now. Do you actually have 26 topics, one for each letter of the alphabet? I do, actually. Mm. There are 26 topics related to well-being. Um, you know, well-being is sort of like a grove of aspen trees. They all share the all these trees share the same root system. So it's really fascinating. So you can see, you know, you think it's an individual tree, but really they share the same root system with maybe another tree that is like, you know, half an acre away. And then some of these systems are huge. So um, a lot of these topics kind of are related to each other, and um, they all kind of focus back to well-being. But well-being has such aspects to it that it was really easy to come up with 26 um, and, and this book is not necessarily meant to be read A to Z. You can pick and choose topics, you know, that, that meet your mm -hmm. needs. Mm -hmm. I like that. And we're going to talk a little bit of, uh, more about the term well-being and, and what that actually means and how you define that. But 
of these of this alphabet soup that you've got together. Um, would you like to just share some examples for our listeners about, you know, you want to just you want me to throw out a couple of letters and you can tell me what you said about that sure. particular letter? Or do you want to do it yourself? That'd be a fun game. Yeah. Okay. No, you do that. That'd be fun. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's 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 pick a couple of fun letters. Let's start with the letter M, like Marsha. I love that. So that would be mindfulness. And <laughs> mindfulness gets kind of, you know, it's a term that gets kind of tossed around a lot. And some people are like, ooh, that sounds kind of like, you know, I don't know, too, too much. But it's just bringing your attention to the present moment. And mm-hmm. we spend so much of our life either on, you know, fast forward or rewind, thinking about the future or kind of rehashing the past, that we spend very little time just actually in the moment and being aware of what we're doing right in the here and now. I, I so, so that agree is with M you. For mindfulness. I almost can guarantee this next letter based on what you just said. What is what do you have next to the letter Y? Like yoga. Oh <clears throat> yes. <laughs> so Y is you. Create your best life. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What what did you think why I was going to be? Did I know well, it? <laughs> well actually I I why I why now I'm hearing the word why all over the place. Um why I asked you about that specific letter because to me it also relates to what you had just said about mindfulness. And to me a great practice for me for mindfulness is yoga that for me to remain mindful and for me to remain so not scattered and uncertain I find and you just heard me do that that sometimes just taking a deep breath calm down the ears are not earrings I mean their shoulders are not earrings and just calm down. And so I love what you write, which is you, because you are writing this book. But um, for me, why definitely um, has something to do from, from my, in my life with yoga. Can I, can I ask you a couple of other letters? Sure. And I just have to echo that I also Please. love, love yoga. <laughs> Isn't it? Big fan, big fan. Um, but I, that's why do you love what it? I did with why do you thing, love yoga? You know, there's no way to do some of those poses without completely focusing on the here and now and your breath. It just kind mm-hmm. of brings you back to your breath, which was actually one of the most favorite topics when I when I get feedback from readers. It comes back to the to B for breathing. They're like, Oh, that helped me so much because when we are under stress we breathe really shallowly. You know, kinda of like mm-hmm. just from our chest rather than taking right. those deep, big abdominal breaths that help keep right. us centered and focused. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's so interesting about yoga. I, I, I tend to bring it in the subject into almost every podcast that I do because this is a conversation, so we are sharing personal stories. And for me and my particular yoga practice, the pose is secondary to the breath. And 
the term that our yoga, my yoga instructor uses, which is on Zoom, I'm not in person, we're still doing a Zoom yoga class, is without judgment. And if you tend to be a judgmental person, okay, hands in the air, um, particularly starting with yourself, that's not that's not a good practice. That's not that's that you might be mindful of it, but you want to maybe redirect it. So I I just I do really love that. And like you said, breathing is really important. Uh, do you have any favorite letters that you like that you like? that you would say, okay, let's, let's talk about a few of my favorites. Yeah, well, I'd like to just unpack a little bit back in the breathing. I do talk about a few techniques. Okay. Um, because one thing I've learned is that people don't know how to breathe. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're just not conscious of their breath. So mm-hmm. um, in my book, I walk through just a couple of resources. One is what the Navy SEALs do, which is box breathing. You may have heard about it. You know, it's yep. four inhales in. Hold, yeah, and then four inhales out, hold. Just a very, very simple technique, but it really, really is helpful when people are kind of stuck in that, you know, fight or flight mentality. It's just to kind of center yourself with those few deep breaths. And the wonderful thing is that this triggers um, our parasympathetic nervous system, and that's where humor and creativity lie. Mm. So when we can breathe deeply, we can be more curious, we can be more creative, and we can have a better time. We can have enjoy our sense of humor. It's interesting that you said that because I didn't really understand. Singers get this. They understand where your diaphragm is. They understand that if they're going to be singing and they need to sing quite a chorus by holding their breath while they're singing, that their diaphragm is absolutely engaged. And... I never really thought about that because, well, I certainly sing with the radio. I'm not singing in a church choir. And so I didn't really put that technique together. But one of the um, instructions that we get, because the box breathing is absolutely what you said. And, and if, as you get stronger, you can take that four-step that four box breathing and maybe move it up to six. But I love when my instructor says, so you take an inhale through the nose, and as you exhale, and you're taking that inhale, and you are concentrating on bringing it all the way down into your diaphragm, your belly should go out. In fact, you could put your hand there to feel that. But this is the instruction that I love, and I bet you do this. But when you exhale, think of bringing your navel to the spine. And when you do that, you literally exhale the unneeded breath you just took. And then hold that for a count of four, like you said, and repeat. And you can do that in the car. You can do that while you're taking a walk. You can do it before you get out of bed in the morning. And so that's that's one of the reasons that I think that you said breathing, like you said, breathing is so very important. So be a bit, that is one of your favorites. Give me another couple of favorites that you really like. Um, one thing I just think is important, and I don't think we can kind of overemphasize enough, is to be civil. Um, I found, I don't know about you, I was just reading in the paper, too, about how incivility is just on the rise. Mm. I frankly think that the pandemic has been like a rocket fuel for rude behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, there just seems to be just this loosening of social norms about being polite. You know, people yes. just don't seem to get it anymore. Um so, yeah, I think that 
just sort of being aware of the cost is a huge cost, whether you're talking about in the workplace or society in general, of being in civil. Um, it just hijacks people's brains and it creates this real negative spiral. So it doesn't cost a lot. In fact, it just might take a split second of your time to be patient, um, you know, smile, take mm-hmm. a deep breath, say your please mm-hmm. and thank yous. But it's just a way to kind of decrease that negative um, cycle of energy that's just around us, uh, especially when we're standing in line. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it seems like you know we're, we're not good. You, you know, Peggy, where I've noticed it dramatically changed, and Sybil is absolutely relates to this, it's the way people are driving. Do have people forgotten what their turn signal means? How many times yeah, have you been behind thing. somebody and you want to go straight and they don't have their blinker on? You could move over a lane to the right, but they don't have their blinker on, so you presume they're going straight, but they're not. They're turning. They're waiting for the traffic to clear so they can make that left turn. And you're going, really? Was that was that considerate? And and I, I I realize how nitpicky that is, but because I drive the city streets a lot, I have really noticed or how fast people are driving. Like they're not they're not even following the the code of of the speed limit. So I've seen civility on the road, and just like you said, but I, but. To, to to balance what you've just said, because I know that you are like this and I am like this, I will always let somebody to step in front of me in line if they've got two items and I've got a cart full. Doesn't that just seem like like the P word, a polite thing to do? Yeah, just back to basics. You know, what we mm-hmm. should have learned in kindergarten, we kind of all need a refresher course on that. And the reason it's so important is that studies have shown that you don't even need to be a part of rude behavior. You, just by witnessing it, it it just creates this really, suddenly become engaged with it. And we go into fight or flight mode just by witnessing it. So if you just see a really rude exchange going on um, and it's not, doesn't, you know, you're just a witness to it, it still affects you because emotions are contagious. So, you know, what what you say, what you do, it really does matter. Mm-hmm. It does. And it can so matter in the positive. That smile that costs you absolutely nothing can brighten somebody's day in a way that you didn't even realize it, as opposed to just passing the person on the street and not acknowledging them. By simply smiling and say, hello or have a nice day, or whatever that might be. Now, I would say that if you're going to say have a nice day and you don't mean it, then, then button it. But if you, <laughs> And if you don't want to smile at somebody because you're just irritated and I, I'm not going to use the word that starts with the P off, then, you know, maybe you're not apt to do that. But, gosh, you know what I find that if you smile at somebody, guess what happens? They smile right. back at you. That's humanity yeah. at its best, absolutely at its best. You want to give me one more letter just because now I'm just really curious? 
Right. And, you know, what you talk about is emotions are contagious, positive or negative. So Mm -hmm. that's wonderful because then Mm -hmm. you're creating an upward cycle of positive emotions rather than, you know, the the bad ones from rudeness. So that's awesome. I love that you do that. Oh, let's see. Um, do you have a favorite? Let's, tell, tell me. Do you have you some know, favorites? I do. My favorite has to be gratitude yep. because gratitude really is our superpower. Um, neuroscientists tell us that our brains can't focus on positive emotions and negative emotions at the same time. So when we are in the moment and we're really focused on what we're grateful for, that is just so good for our brains. In fact, to use that word of neuroplasticity again that I mentioned earlier, it actually changes the structure of our brain. So they've done these wonderful studies, and it just takes like eight weeks um, to make the parts of our brain that you know tend to be more depressed um, just light up hmm. with greater creativity and resilience just by creating a practice of gratitude. So that's that kind is... of my favorite image. Go ahead. Go, I, yeah, I want to hear more so about many, that. Um, yeah, it has so many, you know, gratitude affects us physically. It increases our heart health. Um, it lowers our blood pressure. It has these just wonderful benefits to us physically. But in addition to that, you know, socially, it doesn't, you know, if you're around a grateful person, they're just a better coworker, right? Mm-hmm. So um, practicing gratitude just affects absolutely every area of our life. And, you know, I know we can make it sound like it's simple because that is how I start my day and that is how I end my day. That Those are the words that I personally use. I might use the word grateful, but which is another term for gratitude, but from in my in my world, but I would say that you know I I've talked to friends that maybe are really struggling, really struggling. I had that kind of a conversation very recently, and I was trying to find in this conversation what could I, how could I help direct this conversation to something that pointed to some level of gratitude, because we are all. You know, I love I love you I love when you wrote something about being stuck. You know, we all have things that we could find ourselves stuck in. We all could. There isn't anybody that's just, you know, without some situation in their home, their life, their family, their health, their finances. Look at look at how we've been living with um sort of this, you know, insulated can't go out, can't talk, you're, uh-oh, hands up in the air, do you have a mask on, have you been vaccinated, Blah. you know, this this time of being so um, internal and and processing that, it, it's not easy. And, and I think that that's why this book is so vitally important because you're not just – picking words out of the, the the dictionary and saying, okay, well, you're, you're applying some scientific knowledge that's saying, let me just tell you, when you are thinking this way and you are thinking of grat- gratitude, you are you just said it. You are actually helping your brain health. And I that's why I think this is just so, so very important. And you started saying something a little while ago, and I want to go back to it, when we hear the words well-being 
and that is being used all the time. And you mentioned the connection to trees and roots. And I thought you could maybe expand on that a little bit. Mm. Yeah, you're so right. We we hear the word well-being used all over. And uh, the, the, the broadest definition I've heard comes from the World Health Organization. And they actually include planetary well-being. In their, in their topic of their definition, I'm like, wow, that is a lot. Um, <laughs> so well-being, I think, kind of is not really so much of a definition but a conversation because I'm sure that well-being for you is looks differently than maybe your next-door neighbor, right? Yes. So um, I, I, I love having those conversations like, you know, what does that really – what does well-being mean for you because it's such a personal topic. We know some factors of well-being. Um, there has to be some level of economic stability. We have to have uh, a level of physical and mental and emotional wellness. And we have to have a rich social connections. So those are sort of like the pillars. And in addition to that, um, we need to have something we do, some type of work that is meaningful to us. And when all of those factors are alive and well and thriving, we live our best lives. So that's how, that's the five pillars of well-being. But yet there's um, all these different factors that contribute to it. And one of the ones I love is nature. Being out in nature is such an important part of self-care, and people just don't seem to get it. And it's so fun and so easy. It's so interesting that you said that. Um, before I even started my my uh, radio podcasting experience, I was blogging to sort of get a feel for just getting into a routine. You know, I was widowed. I, I was looking for something to do. And so I realized, and I didn't really know this about myself prior to that, is how much... I loved being out with my camera. And I would say, I love taking my camera for a walk. And where did the walk go? It it was it could be local, but where my where I was the happiest was in nature. And I still feel that way today. This I mean, I wasn't even using a, a cell phone that was taking pictures. I was using my camera. And I I don't think there is anything that makes me happier than being in nature like you just like you just described. Uh, right now the bees are out. There was a time when I thought, oh God, there's a bee. I'm, I'm I got to get away from that. Are you kidding? I'm almost in your face because I'm taking a picture of you on that bottle brush. I'm taking a picture of you in that black licorice um, vine that's growing. 12 feet high because you're, it's your season. It's your time. And I, I love it. it. It's very important to me. When you go into nature, what, what do, what you, maybe you don't do any photography. What, what does getting into nature mean to you? Oh, yeah, I love that. You know, because what you're doing when you bring your camera with you is you're being really present. So you're not only being out in nature, but you're really mindfully appreciating it. So you're just mm-hmm. ticking all kinds of boxes. I love that, Marcia. Um, Thank you. There's a big study that shows uh, that it was a 
study of 20,000 people in Europe, and it was a pre-post study. And it showed that um, people that were out in nature for two hours a week, and it didn't have to all be at once. It could be pieced okay. out throughout the week, but, you know, total of 120 minutes. They significantly increased how they felt their physical health was as well as how they felt emotionally and mentally. So that seems to be kind of a good magic number to keep in mind is 120 minutes a week. Um, And then, again, you know, what you did was so lovely, you know, really paying attention and immersing yourself in nature. One thing that there's a lot of studies that support this is actually smelling nature. Um, There's something really restorative about smell. So that's another thing to keep in mind. That's so interesting that you say that because I think that people that love being at the – we're fortunate. Um, I know you're inland quite a ways from where I am, but I'm not that far from the ocean. And the smell of the ocean for some people is just – you know, it, they, they, you can't you can't define it. It's just that special, and, I, and that's really interesting. I I hadn't really thought about smell necessarily. I know that I I cut a beautiful rose that was in my backyard. It's called a double delight, and I've brought it into my office, and it's it's sitting to the left of me right now, and it smells so good. You know, it, it's it's really interesting the different emotions that happen what you're talking about and and that's why I think it's it's so this this is so important because a lot of people are not happy right now a lot of people for a variety of reasons whether it's their health whether it's being um, unavailable to visit with family because they feel they need to isolate you know, depending upon the part of the country you live in, or maybe you just want to get on a cruise, but you're afraid. What, whatever that might be, we are being affected by all of these elements. And I just wanted to go back one more time because you use a great metaphor, and I just I wanted to make sure that I understood it when you talked about roots and you talked about trees. Could you just expand on that just a little bit more? Sure. Um, Okay, first of all, I have to say I love the fact that you took the time and you brought a beautiful rose onto your desk. I've done the same thing. Isn't that funny? That is great. And my well-being has to be, you know, I don't know. This is just a weird thing. But I have to have fresh flowers in my house, preferably from my yard. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're just weeds. But when I bring, for me, that's part of my well-being. So when I bring Mm -hmm. in something from the outdoors, I'm not only appreciating it and being mindful of it, um, but I'm also enjoying nature and I'm being grateful. So, you know, you can see how all those concepts are intertwined and kind of woven together. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that, you know, we do something Mm. positive for that. We're not focused on what we can't do because there's so many things right now we can't or we feel we can't do. But Mm -hmm. we can switch that mindset and go, what can I do? What's just one thing I can do to make me feel better? And maybe some days it's as simple as going outside, finding a beautiful rose and bringing it indoor to your desk. I love that. You know, it's it's so true. And, you know, I know that everyone has their own personal opinions about social media. We don't all 
do that the same. Clearly, this is important to me. I need to be able to advance these fabulous podcasts I have each week on social media, which is, you know, I, it's, it's important to me. But it's very interesting. Some people, I just spoke with a friend today. She said, I, I, don't, I don't do that. And, and, and I don't, I'm not judging her. It's like, that's fine. But I, I, then let me send you a link to some of my podcasts because you might enjoy my podcasts and you wouldn't even have a way of actually knowing about them. But I think that for me, this opportunity each week to share what's meaningful to my guests, therefore, is meaningful to me. And that contributes to my well-being. Is every day just, you know, sunshine and roses? Of course not. Because if you only knew the happiness, you'd have no way to measure it. You know, there are some things that are not going to make you as happy. And, it's, and, and those are grateful moments as well. Would you agree? It's like, well, you know what? I got this message to make me appreciate that I've got this instead. Is, is there a connection mm. there? Absolutely, because what you're doing, even when, you know, sometimes work is hard, is mm-hmm. you recognize the meaning behind it. You're creating a better world. You're making a difference. You're focusing on topics that connect people and bring people together, the shared humanity. So right. I just applaud you for your efforts. I think oh, your, thank you, just, Peggy. your podcast is so wonderful. Oh, you're so you're so nice. The check's in the mail. Um, what, <laughs> what, what, so let's talk about some strategies. What would you say are some strategies that we can do to support our well-being? Well, one thing I think people have neglected is they don't realize that we are wired for social connection, and we are at our best when we're in relationships. And people have sort of put their relationships on ice over the last couple years, um, and we need to figure out ways to have meaningful human connection. I mean, maybe some of those connections have changed or, um, you know, there's all kinds of different paths, but... In order to live our best lives, we really have to have meaningful social connections. So a lot of times we don't think of friends as self-care, but they absolutely are. Um, So taking, you know, make that effort um, and find creative ways to get together with your friends and build those bonds and uh, will really help you in the long run. My favorite study of all time is the Harvard Study of Adult Development. You can look it up online. And um, it is a really long, long study. Like it covers over 80 years. And they've tracked the one thing that they can um, tell how how a person is going to live well is the amount of friends they have. Or not the amount, I should say, the quality of friendships they have. Because there's people, um, there's a lot of studies that have shown that loneliness um, is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It wow. just is that bad for your physical and your emotional well-being. So developing connections and uh, social engagement is really, really vital to our well-being. And, you know, one of the ways that we can do that is by volunteering. Um, I personally belong to the Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary. I'm active in my Chamber of Commerce. I, I help the YMCA. And not only am I doing something to benefit these organizations, 
but it is much a service organizations as it is a social organizations. And if you live alone, well, I have a kitty in my house, but other than that, I live alone. If you live alone, or even if you don't, you know, it's it's. I don't mean to veer off here, but I'm, I'm about to. I, when my husband died so unexpectedly, I mean, alive, dead, just unexpectedly, I already knew who I was personally. I wasn't just a missus. I was a missus. And half, I'm looking at his pictures all over as I'm speaking to you. But I was also a Marsha as well. And I think it's important to identify and understand who you are so that you are not just somebody else's shadow. Does that, does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. And, um, you know, what you've done with your volunteer work and your social engagement really helps support that, you know, your own identity. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. You kind of already know that how important those uh, social connections are. They are. That's really meaningful. But, you know, let's talk about a subject that some people, this is a very interesting subject, and that's the subject of sleep. What do you think are some of the common things that are getting in the way of our sleep today? Mm. Well, first of all, I love that you brought that up, because if Mm. you talk to any neuroscientist or organizational consultant or executive coach, they will tell you the same thing, and that is that the number one key to productivity is good sleep. So um, there you go. That is your answer mm-hmm. <laughs> is sleep. Um, and finding out ways uh, to get good quality sleep is really important. One of the things that we've discovered that is getting in the way of good sleep is actually something called doom scrolling. I don't know, Marsha, have you heard that term before? It's called dooms. doom scrolling. Well- and it's a, it's a term that is brought out by the COVID-19 pandemic. It was one of its many gifts that the pandemic brought us was this new term, mm-hmm. doom scrolling. And it's, it's a glowing, I just scroll. need to understand. Are you saying, I'm, I want to make sure I, so is it dooms glowing like G-L-O-W-I-N-G? Oh, no, it's doom scrolling, scrolling with an S. Um, it's also been called doom surfing. Okay. And both of these terms are actually in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Um, and it's the, our tendency to scroll or surf through bad news, even if that news is sad or depressing. And the reason we do that is because our brains love information. The power of information is so, so powerful that we just keep scrolling, trying to get more news, um, and even if it's like makes us feel really bad, we'll keep at it. Um, And part of that is because the social media companies have really, really good neuroscientists on board to keep you engaged to your device um, and just keep scrolling for more news. So it's really aware to, it's really important to be aware, um, this is sometimes called a ludic loop, and it's the same type of hmm. algorithms that they use in casinos. So Interesting. Being, yeah, I know. It can be kind of addictive. So one thing I think that people have found, um, there's lots of studies that are being done right now, is that people aren't going to sleep because they're so 
you know, they're watching news, mostly negative news. So um, it's just important to realize that your brain is not, you know, it, it isn't good for your brain and it's not good for your well-being or your sleep or anything else if you start developing that habit. Mm-hmm. What do you think about not just adults, kids, everyone that are constantly on their phones? Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, don't know what like we're doing this, to our younger generation. I know. It, it, it's, you know what? They're watching their parents because their parents are doing the same things. You know, and, I, and, I, I, and you would know this because you're a scientist. I think I read somewhere about sleeping specifically that it's best if you go to sleep and you wake up at the same time Every day, regardless if it's, regardless if it's a Monday or a Saturday, is is there some validity to that? You know, I have read the same thing, Marcia, and I I think so, but I really hate to like hmm. you know I, I I deal a lot with doctors with physicians and they take calls. Okay. So I think that it has to be kind of a real personal. You know, you have to kind of create the recipe for your success with that. But mm-hmm. in in my book, I put down a couple of really good websites to check out. There's the sleepfoundation.org and sleepjunkies.com, and they've oh, got terrific. really good resources, yeah, to um, help people kind of figure out what their recipe for success is when it comes to sleep. You know, it's interesting. I'm I'm looking at your website. And I, I would like to just mention that right now, but I will certainly include this in my follow-up blog. But it's it's just this easy, navigatinguncertaintybook.com. And I'm looking at your website right now, and I'm looking at 10 things that you will learn in this book. And we've, we've talked about gratitude and things like that. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit about proven techniques because now I'm making this personal, proven techniques to challenge negative self-talk. That's sabotaging, isn't it? Yes, and I think that uh, I get so often, like, what can I do? So there's a voice that kind of rides around in our heads, and uh, it doesn't have to do with our AirPods, and it doesn't have anything Mm -hmm. to do with somebody in psychiatry might be concerned about. But it's that kind of that inner voice that sort of guides the narrative of our day. And when we become stressed, it becomes increasingly critical. And for me, it usually sounds like this, like, oh, my gosh, Peggy, you are such an idiot. I can't believe you left your phone at that restaurant. You're such an idiot. When will you ever learn? Right? That's what my inner voice sounds like. And it's really harsh. Um, And the reason it's so bad is what happens is when we listen to that voice, um, we start to get really frustrated with ourselves and we let that disappointment with ourselves ooze out onto others. And so then I like, you know, I'm frustrated with my kids or my husband or whatever, you know. Right. Um, and then that, that starts its own little cycle. So we really need to recognize that voice and treat ourselves as we would a friend, a dear friend, like I would never, and I'm sure you would do that, Marcia, in a million years, tell your friend, oh, you are such an idiot, you're so stupid, right? Right. Uh, we do that to ourselves all the time. And you know what I do? I'll tell you what I do when I hear that in my head. I say out loud, knock it off. 
stop it, Marcia. Good this for is you. not helping you. I don't always do it. It it is I am like everybody else, I am a work in progress. But I am I'm aware of it when I do it. And and, and perfect examples like just what you said, where the heck is my phone? Wait, was it today Monday or Tuesday? Wait a minute, what 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 was I supposed to be doing? I do that. And I don't know, you know, sometimes I, I use my age as an excuse. And I could be talking to somebody that's the age of my kids, and they'll say, uh, Mom, we, we do that too. It, it, it's, it's, not, it's not brain power here. We're, we're, we're all doing something, and I bet you that you have a strong opinion about this word. So I'm going to throw this out at you because I'm really curious from a scientific position as well. And that's the word we see all the time, which is start, also starts with the letter M, and it's multitasking. What's your thoughts about that? No. Don't get me started, oh. right? <laughs> You've got time. Well, You've got another kinda... 15 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I when I was first out, you know, one of my very first jobs, the thing I was so proud of myself with, and, you mm-hmm. know, when I was being interviewed for jobs, I would say, I am so good at multitasking. Like I would just mm-hmm. pat myself on the back. Like I'm just so good at multitasking. And everybody was like, oh, great, right? And now we realize, oh, no, that is not good at all. Because it's actually, we're not multitasking. It's called task switching. So what we're doing is we're actually switching from one task to another task. And we may think we're really smart doing this, but we're not at all. It actually shows that we lose up to a third of our time. Um, when we do this task switching. So multitasking is not great. It's not great for our brains at all because it's like, this, you know, our brains suddenly have to kind of, you know, go over time um, unless we're doing two completely separate things, like listening to a podcast and going to a, for a walk is fine. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're really trying to have an intense conversation and you're trying to chop vegetables and you're doing, you know, doing something with a dog at the same time, that's not great. So we really need to um, be aware of multitasking and recognize that a lot of times it's not good for us. Just because that email came in while you were doing something else, maybe you're looking at your checking account, maybe you're responding to something, and then this email comes in, it's like, oh, oh, oh wait, i got to go to that. And it's like, wait, what was I, what was I doing? And it, it's 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 like throwing a bunch of balls up in the air and saying that you're a master juggler, and they're all hitting you in the head, and you haven't accomplished <laughs> anything. That's how I see it. I see it as I oh, sometimes I'll that. say to people, you know, I'm a master juggler, but I'm not good at it because <laughs> I don't think we were I don't think we were set. And you know, my my husband was an engineer. P- bless the engineers in the world. Okay, they're nothing like me. And he could just focus. It wasn't, it wasn't hard for him. His, his mind was wired that way. He, would, he, would, he wouldn't start three things at once. Well, multitasking wasn't even a term you heard 13 years ago. But even still, even still I, I find that, you know, we, we hear this term, and, and actually it isn't, it isn't um, a badge you want to wear that says, oh, I'm a really good multitasker, really? I don't know. I don't know that I would want to wear that as a badge of courage. I, I'm not sure that that is the direction 
that I would want to go. And uh, so I, I, I anticipated that was going to be your response. But you have, you have another, um, like I said, you've got this fabulous website. And um, one of the things that I think is interesting, and maybe we could spend a few minutes talking about, is ways to identify your core values. That might not be that might not be an easy thing to do. Are there some specific techniques that we can do that that can identify those for us? Right. You know, so much of our life we don't spend like really thinking, you know, what kind of life do we want to have? What kind of life do we want to have so that when we um, get to the end of it, we can look back and go, wow, that was a life well lived. You know, a lot of times we're just on autopilot, you know, rather than really getting ourselves in the steering wheel of our life and going, this is the life I want to create. So it's, it's important to find out what your values are. And in my book, I have a couple of resources for different websites that help you kind of list your values. Mm-hmm. And the reason this is so important is sometimes our values might contradict each other. So, um, you know, I have a client who really wants economic stability but really wants to travel. So what I've done with them is have them list their values in order of importance. You know, what comes first, the economic stability or the travel at this point in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and that way they can kind of go, you know what, I am going to take a year off work and I am going to go do that wonderful, you know, world tour. Or no, you know what, I really am trying to save for a house, so I'm going to put that trip off for now. But having um, knowing what our values are really helps us create this sense of congruence, and we recognize um, that we are living true to ourselves. We're mm-hmm. living within our values, rather than just kind of you know letting the road take us where it is going to. We're 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 really in the driver's seat. You know, it kind of leads me into another one of your items on this list, and that is. Um, actionable tips to intentionally and I think that's a key word intentionally create the life you love could you do you have a couple of tips you might I want people to still buy this book but I I, I we're, we're just giving them the appetizers right now they're going to have to get the yeah. whole you know but but what would you say uh, what would be some actionable tips? Because it's probably not the same for everybody. The life that I might want to love might be entirely different than the life that you might want to love. But what, what would you, how would you respond to that question? Mm. First of all, I just love it when people actually consider that because so many people don't. Um, yes. They're just going about their way, putting out their fires, you know, living for the next paycheck or looking for retirement. And one, the one thing that gets me every time is people are like, oh, you know, I've only got, you know, one year and 17 months until I retire. And I'm like, well, that's great. What are you going to retire to? Because it's really right. important. Um, a lot of people just kind of get to retirement and it's fantastic for three weeks. And then it's like, whoa, what's next in life, right? Right. Um, so when you have your values figured out and you know you know you realize one thing that's really important to me is um personal growth. So I'm going to go back to school or one thing that's really important to me is developing strong relationships with my grandkids. So I'm going to go coach their soccer. Um 
that really kind of helps guide you into the direction of how you want to spend your life. Um, because those little moments in our life um, are really what matter. It's what makes up mm-hmm. our life and what makes it meaningful. It's how we choose to yeah. spend our, our day. It's, um, it's true. Well, so one thing I just, yeah, well, one thing I just um, encourage people to ask themselves is, what is the story you want to tell? And would your future self be proud of your actions today? Wow. What is the story you... Because maybe people are taking notes. What is the story you want to tell? And what did you say after that? Yeah, what would your future self be proud of your actions today? Oh, wow. Wow, that is, as the kids would say, that is really deep. Would your future mm-hmm. self be proud of your actions today? That's you know, really... my future self would be proud of certain things I do. Like, you know what? It would be really proud of my volunteer work with the library. But on the other hand, my future self is probably not going to be that happy with the way I was, you know, I kind of rolled my eyes at the guy behind me at the post office, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so that's not, so that, that's not the kind of person I want to become, so. That's, that's, but you know, I, I, I it's sort of, I, I mean, words mean a lot to me. Here's another word. I don't know what you, I'm going to ask you what, what, I, I'm sorry to make you bounce all over the alphabet here. What, le, what did the U use for the letter R? Mm. Well, I do like the letter R, and it's routines and rituals. So when we've got so much uncertainty going on in our lives, um, people do better if there is some level of routine (gasps) and ritual in their lives. So there's a lot of studies that support that. Good. Do you have any rituals that that you enjoy? Now, you know what? It's so interesting. I'm going to tell you what my artwork would have been, but what you just said, as I mentioned, I was married to an engineer. My father was um, in the military. There were routines. I function the very best with routines. Some could say to the point with, you need a little flexibility here. And it's like, yeah, and and I'll accept that from you. But I feel the most secure in routines and, and, and rituals, just like you said. So, I mean, do I add things to my life? Of course. Am I a little bit more active and could I say no a little bit more often? Absolutely. But there is something about routines that really speaks to me. That makes me so happy to hear you use that as an R word. You want to know what my R word would have been? What I would use is, I, I should probably do this and give myself um, every letter of the alphabet. <laughs> what word I would use? I, oh, that would be so yes, fun. Yes, I'd love to hear. Yes. My R word would have been reflections or reflection with an N, with an S or without an S. Because I think that that word means a great deal. It means everything in nature. Who doesn't want to see the beautiful reflection in a water 
or the beautiful reflection of the hummingbird at the feeder or um, the bear in Denali or the beautiful children in South Africa. Who doesn't want to see that and be part of that and reflect on that? And then that takes the word into a different definition, which is now I'm reflecting on what that meant to me. So I, I like that word, reflection and reflecting, but I absolutely, absolutely relate to the word routine. I would, I would have a struggle without a routine, frankly. I, uh, some people could, would say, well, you're not very flexible. And it's like, well, we're all, we're all different. Um, it's not that I can't be flexible, but I do, I do like the routine. And I'm sorry I've made this so much about me today, but you've, you've allowed me to have this conversation with you about how I am reflecting on the things that we're talking about today because I think that they're so important for well-being and, and, for, mm. and for looking at that word uncertainty. You know, we don't know, right? We just don't always know. And so we want to live a life that is meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. And I think that you've got so many great tips and tricks, you know, on your podcast. I just mm-hmm. love it. So thank you for doing your part as well to make the world a better place. Well, I think I think that's why I'm here. You know, you talked about core beliefs. I've always been a connector. I, I've always been a connector. I've always enjoyed meeting other people. I've always... I'm I'm in the middle of planning a high school reunion, and I'm sort of, not sort of, I've taken this over to do it myself because I'm a control freak at times. Maybe that would be another word. But uh, so I, I'm I'm planning that. But I connect. It's like Susie's coming. Oh, Susie, guess what? Bob's coming. You guys haven't seen each other for a long time. You remember when you went to junior high together? I do that. I love that. I love that. I do that. I'm up at the Y this week, and I run into this lady who I haven't seen in the longest time. And as I'm sitting there, because I used to work at this Y for 10 years um, while my kids were in college, and one person after another is walking in, and I'm just going, oh, my God. I can't remember your name, but I remember all about you. And, And I'm not embarrassed to say that. I'm not. And 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 so I just think for Marsha, for me, that is the fuel in my tank. That is one of my core values, and I know that about myself. And I think what you're saying in your book is get to know yourself. Get to know who you are. Get to know how you can have a more meaningful well-being why not? Right? Why not? Absolutely. Yes. Live your best life. So, are you going to write another book? Are you going to write another book? Oh, I don't know if I do. I'll have to contact you, Marsha, because you've got some great tips. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe oh, that'll be in so our future. Funny. Who knows? Who yes. knows? <laughs> Never know what the, what the, what the what next steps will be. Right, and and you know that is an important 
thing I think we should leave people with. We don't know. And so while you're here to live with navigating your well-being to make it the best it can be, why not? Why not? And I just hope that people that have listened to us together today will feel so inspired to go out, purchase your book, share the information with others, and share of themselves, whatever that might be. Maybe you are very introverted. Maybe you're nothing like me where you would totally talk to a different stranger. You, maybe it's like, oh, my God, are you kidding? That's the last thing in the world I ever want to do. That's fine. We're not all alike. Go outside. Look at these beautiful clouds. Look at these beautiful clouds and just appreciate what we have, whatever that might be. I know I am very grateful for having you join me today. This has been an absolute joy. <sighs> Thank you so much, Marsha. It's been just really a highlight for me as well. And I wish you an abundant life of well-being. Oh, thank you. I know that you are off to see the wizard. And so I will let you get on with the rest of your day. And at some point, you and I are going to meet in person because I feel like there is a sisterhood here. And I consider you my friend. And um, that makes me emotional. But that's okay. Because emotion is okay too, isn't it? Oh, it is. And I just can't wait for that day. Let's do it soon. We will. All right, everybody. It's that first Monday of August. There are five Mondays in August. Count them. And I'm going to have one show after another, after another, after another of interesting people. And I hope you all join me. And for now, I'm going to let Peggy get on with her day and wish all of you a beautiful day. Thank you so much for being there with me. Bye for now, everybody.